tell you what it was. It was a serious, serious issue I had to tend to here. Uh, I had to get a cup of coffee. That's what it was. And uh, I took the last swallow just as I typed the last comment that I typed here for my little perch. It's like, my coffee cup's empty and I need more this morning. So, uh, hey, here's to you. Get your cup of coffee ready if you don't have it yet. And or tea or whatever it is that you might be drinking this morning, and uh, let's enjoy some, uh, 
let's enjoy a little bit of Java, little Joe here in the morning as uh, we get into our day. How was your weekend? I hope your weekend was great. Uh, yesterday, I had the pleasure of participating in an installation service of uh, one of our uh, graduates. In fact, he's he's a graduate as well as a um, uh, a student because he's continuing on toward his master's degree uh, through New England Bible College and Seminary. The uh, person he's replacing was pastor for 15 years at what what had been named Clifton Heights. No. Clifton, Clifton Heights Union Baptist Church. Uh, now it's just called Clifton Baptist Church. Uh, reasons for that, I, I won't get into the, the, some of the name change, shortening some things up there a little bit. Uh, CBC, there you go. Uh, and uh, uh, But uh, Pastor John Walsh had a phenomenal ministry there. Uh, really getting a church into a very solid, solid position, uh, a church that when he came there 15 years ago had one leader, uh, and uh, that was it. And now he has uh, helped them to have a, uh, a elder team that is solid uh, and a, a board of deacons that, that run so much of the work of the ministry there. Uh, and so uh, kudos to John Walsh uh, and his work in uh, Clifton, Maine, going into retirement, quasi-retirement, I would probably say. Uh, and uh, congratulations to uh, Pastor Chris Carter as he assumes the helm uh, as a young man. I think he's just, he's, he is, he's 26 years old and uh, taking his first church, and so excited. It was great to be a part of that yesterday. You know, we see some some vestiges. You see Paul and Timothy and, and Paul passing the baton, uh, and we need to be thinking about that now. Uh, you know, you, you can have a very long tenure in a place, and I talk to pastors that have been in one church for uh, an entire career. Uh, one of the pastors I worked with in Washington, D.C., his first church was his only church, and he was there 35 years, and uh, phenomenal. And uh, some of us are called into other things and uh, uh, don't have the opportunity maybe to stay quite that long. I could have stayed at Veracity till I I croak, but uh, God had other plans, and uh, I I will just give the shout-out, miss you all. Uh, but uh, we're partners together in the gospel, so we're gonna we're gonna look into this here in Philippians uh, chapter one is where we are, and uh, so there's something I, I'm trying to see if I should. Uh, uh, nah, I'm not gonna. I don't want to talk about myself. So uh, something uh, that Fran has put in the comments there, that those of you who are live can pay attention to that and uh, see see what's going on there. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, uh, is where we're picking up. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, I sometimes like the King James brethren and sistren, uh, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now, you might be saying, what happened to him? Well, let me tell you. 
Uh, in fact, let me read this section because it does answer some of that, and then we'll have a little bit of discussion over just where this may have taken place. Uh, he says, verse 13, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, uh, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. And then he goes on and says this, kind of a new header, but I, I think this verse easily belongs with this preceding section where he says this, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every, weather, in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now, whether it is, whether it is the deliverance that takes place, uh, he's thinking about, or a different type of deliverance that will come about, uh, uh, we do not know. Right, now, let me just talk for a little bit. Paul's circumstances. Paul's circumstances are he is writing from prison. Now there there are questions about just where he was writing from, and uh, some of the question has to do with you know is he is he writing from from Rome uh, or which which imprisonment that that is the question that is at hand and. Uh, some would say, well, no, he's writing from Rome, and that is the position I would hold to, because he talks about the palace guard, and he'll talk about some things a little bit later on in this letter. And, and this would be the final imprisonment, but you got to remember, Paul was also imprisoned in Ephesus for a short time, and he was in, in prison in Caesarea. Uh, and... Uh, depending on which place he is actually in prison, would determine the date of the writing. We, there's, there's scholarly debate about which place it was that we don't need to get into for our purposes here. I just want to point out to you, you, you could go back and do a little research, and there is some debate about which, which one of the three imprisonments uh, is he referencing here. Uh, and, and I would still hold to the position of Rome some would hold to Ephesus, some would hold to Caesarea, and there are arguments uh, pro and con, for and against uh, each of those places. The bottom line of it all is that, that, Paul, that Paul was writing from a prison, and he was in chains. So his chains that he's talking about in this section are literal, physical chains. He's not talking about chains of... Uh, uh, Something that that is metaphorical, you know. Uh, he's chained because his transportation is broken down. He's chained because he doesn't have money to to travel. He's chained because he's not talking about any of those things whatsoever. He is talking about literal physical chains. 
Uh, and some of the imprisonments, he was there such a short period of time uh, that uh, that's why I would say I don't think he's writing from, from those situations. But whatever's happened to me, and there are all kinds of things that happened to Paul. Paul didn't have it easy. Uh, Paul had it challenging. Paul had it difficult. Paul had uh, difficult circumstances that happened to him uh, in his in his ministry, and uh, I will pull up some of those things and just to uh, from Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Uh, Paul says some of these words. Uh, he's comparing himself with other other apostles, and he says, "Are they servants of Christ?" Verse twenty three. I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder. Now you have to wonder: Should Paul be speaking like this? But he does say he's out of his mind. He said, "I've been in prison more frequently than than what are called the super apostles." I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one, the 39. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a day and a night in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked besides everything else I face daily, the pressure of my concern for all the churches." So who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who's led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? But if I will boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I'm not lying. He says in Damascus, the governor uh, uh, under King uh, Eratus uh, had the city of uh, Damascenes guarded in order to arrest me, but I was lowered in a basket. This is Damascus. Uh, from the window uh, in the wall and slipped through his hands. I mean, he, Paul goes on and talks about some of the, the challenging circumstances that he has faced. And uh, all for the gospel. That is why he faced the circumstances that he faced. And, you know, it makes me a little bit Kind of like, well, you know, I, I haven't faced uh, all these types of things. What what do I have to be concerned over? Um, Paul faces had faced incredible difficulties in order that he may deliver the gospel to the places that uh, that it needed to go. So back to Philippians chapter one, we will go, and he's talking about how all these things actually cause the advance of the gospel. You look at verse 13, it says, As a result, it became clear throughout the whole palace garden, everyone else, them in chains for Christ. Uh, he, he continued to talk about Christ. His demeanor, the way that he dealt with his imprisonment, you know, he probably didn't have the language of a sailor uh, or of a thief, of a bandit. Uh, he is, his language, his, his grace, uh, his words, the, the demonstration of love and concern, even for his captors, 
probably came through. And so it became clear throughout the whole palace garden, everyone else using change for Christ. Some of us, if we're suffering for Christ, would whine and complain. I might whine and complain, and I, I have to make sure I don't whine and complain. I, I've never been in chains for Christ. We literally have brothers and sisters in places around the world who are in chains for Christ. Uh, go to Voice of the Martyrs or persecution.com, uh, and you can read story after story after story after story of the incredible, difficult things that brothers and sisters around the world and other places experience because of their faith, because of the Lord Jesus. Paul goes on and and has this to say. He says, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Sometimes our suffering emboldens other people. Uh, When we suffer through illness, it, it can embolden others who are suffering through illness to face their illness with, with faith, with grace, with dignity, dignity, with worship, with an upward focus, uh, and even with peace. So suffering and physical ailments uh, can be something that can cause others. Uh, how we deal with setbacks can cause others to, to be emboldened. So, friends, to, to think about how your suffering can actually lend to uh, the aid and the encouragement, the inspiration of other people. Again, verse 14, he says, Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord, and they are all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. I, you know, I just saw something this morning, and I, uh, right before the broadcast, and that's why I didn't get a cup of coffee. Oh, I lost it now. Um, the, 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 the Barna Research Group is putting out um, an opportunity to, to learn some evangelistic uh, methods uh, that are relevant and pertinent to this day in which we live. Uh, you know, here, here's some of the conversation. Here's some of the things that you need to be prepared to discuss. Here's how you deliver it. And uh, if I can find that again, I'll talk about it again. I'm a little bit intrigued with the idea myself of participating in that. So I might. Um, there are so many things to do, that, it, but it, it looks like a, a very intriguing thing in which to participate, to think, okay, here are the current cultural issues and how to live, deliver the gospel in our day, that we would be emboldened to share the gospel. Uh, the young man that was installed yesterday in... Uh, uh, at Clifton Baptist Church, CBC, uh, was uh, uh, from the age of his mother and grandfather told me this story yesterday, uh, that uh, from the age of two was passing out gospel tracts in, uh, is, is his mother would take him into Kmart or various stores around the Bangor area where they live. And he would always just pass out tracts. And he at one point would say, here for you and his his mother taught him to say please, and uh, he would ask questions. Uh, in fact, his father served a couple tours uh, in Iraq, and uh, I think it was Af- Iraq. It's either Iraq or Afghanistan. I'm pretty sure it was Iraq. And uh, um, when his father was there, my, my father is, is in army, you know, and uh, he he's in a hard place. He could die. Uh, 
but that's okay because he'll go to heaven. What about you? I mean, as a, as a young two, three, four, five-year-old saying that, and he's never let up. He's never relented. 26 years old and continues. In fact, the school called one day. He went to a, I think he went to a public school and, uh, the school called one day and, and said to his mom, Mrs. Carter, uh, we need to talk to you about your son. And the issue was he had packed his little little backpack full of gospel tracks and was going all over the playground passing out tracks to, to children and uh, at the public school playground. Never let up. And uh, so, uh, you know, Chris could be quite an inspiration in that way. Sometime I need to do an interview with him. I, I a lot of interviews I want to do. I just have to figure out how to get the time to do them. And, and if it's uh, if that is a pebble or a big rock, I, I think it could be a big rock to share. So anyway, that, that we would be encouraged to share the gospel. That is the point that, that I am trying to make here uh, by others and by their faith and by what they've done, that, that we would uh, be emboldened. Friends, that you and I would all be emboldened. I hope that my voice and this teaching would embolden you to figure out ways to, to be able to communicate the gospel to other people. So, yes, now in his 20s, yes. And, uh, you know, I, I'm excited. I, I'm excited for what God is doing. I'm just reading Fran's comment there uh, in the comment sections, and, and I am really, really, really encouraged for what uh, God is doing. And and I would ask you to pray. I, I need your prayers. Uh I stepped into some rather large shoes. One, one, one guy said yesterday, uh, uh, one speaker at this installation service, uh, the comment had been made that, that uh, Chris has rather large shoes to fill. And uh, the pastor that had stood up to give the charge to Chris said, I, he really doesn't have large shoes to fill. He says, because as far as I know, uh, Pastor John's taking his shoes with him. And it was quite funny the way it was stated, but but I, I welcome your prayers. There's much to do uh, as, as we try to make this institution something that is formidable and something that is uh, uh, all the more relevant. And uh, a lot of things that have a significant meeting tonight uh, and um, a lot of things, a lot of decisions, a lot of, a lot of significant uh, uh creative things underway and I, I just welcome your prayers for what we're doing uh, in that circumstance he goes on paul goes on in this passage and says this he says it's true that some preach christ out of envy and rivalry but others out of goodwill the latter do so out of love knowing that i am put here for the defense of the gospel the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. I mean, there are all kinds of reasons why people were uh, were preaching Christ. And um, some were preaching Christ for uh, the purpose and for the reason, thinking uh, if we go out and we preach it, uh, it will create trouble for Paul. But like our day, I could look around and go, well, that person preaches and there's ill will and ill modes. I was, I was watching one or listening to one. Uh, Might have been Saturday. It wasn't yesterday. It must have been Saturday. Uh, just one of the little quick reels uh, in my YouTube uh, 
uh, stream that I follow and came up and, uh, uh, oh man, he's really not preaching the gospel. He's, he's, he's preaching a popularized man-centered gospel. Uh, but yet I will, rather than talk about the individual and he's quite popular, uh, especially with the younger crowd, uh, the much younger crowd, the twenties crowd, very popular with the twenties crowd, uh, Rather than castigate him, I'm just going to rejoice that there are people that he does get the gospel out there uh, and does point people to Jesus. Uh, and uh, I, if someone said, should I be listening to this person? I would say, well, here's reasons why I would discourage you from listening to this person. But there are people who are being stimulated and stirred and pointing to Jesus through the, the ministry of this particular uh popular uh, YouTube, you don't say radio anymore, you say social media uh, giant, if you will. But rather than castigate, rather than go after, I'm going to choose to be like Paul in this instance and say, you know what, I'm I'm thankful the people who are being opened up to Christ. And then the prayer is that these people dig into the scriptures and, and, and that they root themselves in the word of God and, and even at some point go, you know, I need to get away from uh, from some of the teaching because it's really a, a man-centered gospel in the way it's being delivered, not a God-centered gospel. And there is a difference when it's all about us and, and aligning God with our lives rather than us aligning ourselves with, with God's purposes and God's will and God's ways, uh, that can be problematic. Now, having said that, I'm going to be like Paul. I, I think I'm being like Paul and saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm still going to rejoice that people are coming to faith in Christ as a result of this person's ministry. So looking again at the passage, seeing what Paul has to say, it's, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, others out of goodwill. I think what he's doing is out of goodwill, this one, and there are several out there. Uh, says the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, and some sometimes you wonder because some of these ones, you know, you hear about their their large houses, really large houses, uh, you know, and you see their fancy cars. I have I have duct tape holding parts of my car on, and, and I'm okay with that. That doesn't bother me at all, uh, not not for a moment, and uh, I'm I'm good with that, uh, and yet. You know, and you say, but Jim, is it, it, no, it's not wrong to drive a nice car. Not at all. You know, some of you are in in lines of work where uh, you need to drive a nice car. Uh, I just don't want people to see me in what I might drive. And I shared the story with you years, uh, about years and years and years ago. I had a friend that was willing, and I would drive it. I would love to drive. And I won't, I won't put monikers to some of the titles and names and brands of the cars, but you know, for not a lot of money, uh, I, I could have driven a, a really nice, like high end car because he had gotten one that had been abandoned and fixed it up and it was a beautiful car. But I talked to the senior pastor I was working with and he said, you know, I don't know how that would look, the appearance of that, especially since you live in the parsonage, which is in the entrance to the church parking lot. And if people see that car sitting, they'll think, what are we paying this guy anyway? And, uh, so you know, opted to drive, uh, you know, uh, a Plymouth uh, at that point in time. Now, why am I talking about this? Uh, I'm talking about this because 
different pastors, different preachers, different personalities are going to do different things. Uh, I've got a pastoral friend here locally that he runs his own business and he drives a new truck and uh, not a thing wrong with that because uh, he's, he's, he doesn't take pay from his church. I don't believe. And uh, because of his business, you know, it's, he's, he's entitled to, to do that type of a thing. You know, just think with me about what I'm saying in that, uh, in that regard, some, some, as back to the passage, some will uh, preach the gospel out of love. Uh, some will preach for selfish ambition. They'll get a good crowd. In fact, it's popular in our day uh, to say things that, that draw the crowds. And uh, there are even very solid Bible teachers that I think sometimes they say things that draws the crowd. They've got rather large uh, Facebook and YouTube social media followings and whatnot, uh, and it's good to go to the extremes. And so you've got those that go to a liberal extreme, those that go to a conservative extreme, because people like to run to the extremes rather than dealing with the difficult place of being in the middle. Let me wrap this passage up. It's time to land the plane this morning. It says, The former preached Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can start trouble for me. But Paul says, What does it matter? The importance is that, what, that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached and because of this, I rejoice, and I'll continue to rejoice. And and, and I'm going to, uh, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to stand in the same, uh, in the same place as Paul. I'm going to try to, as as faithfully as I can, be true to the gospel. Um, in fact, one one popular uh, Bible teacher, whom I've recently quoted. Wink, wink. That's just even this morning, um, in my Facebook on my Facebook page, uh, unleashing God's word one verse at a time. Well, friends, we don't need to unleash God's word. It, it, it isn't leashed. It isn't bound. It is. It isn't chained. The gospel is not bound. The gospel is not chained. The gospel will accomplish the purposes for which God intends it. Well, well, maybe the the, the gospel may have to be kept more covert in some places like Pakistan. There are people like the dear brother I referenced on Friday who is listening to broadcasts like this in in secret and trying to find places where he can listen without being caught so that he can turn around and teach others what we're teaching. And um, the gospel will not be bound. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, the word of God will accomplish the purpose for which God intended it. And in that, we'll rejoice. You rejoice. Let's be confident in the gospel of Jesus that has been given to us. Let's, let's continue faithful and living for Christ. Lord, hear our prayer today. Help us to be faithful and living for you. Help us to take opportunity to share the gospel when we can. Help us to be confident in your word, your eternal, unchained word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, that's a wrap for today. I will see you tomorrow. Have a great day, everyone.